Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is John Lyons right now on WEEI. You run into people, you talk to people, you hear, you know, theories and rumors. and Hey, look out for this, look out for that. I mean, we've all assumed that Baker just goes right back to Tampa. I had somebody say, I wouldn't, you know, don't sleep on the New England Patriots. For Baker, Being in the Baker. And if the New England Patriots are in the Baker business, then the number three pick is up for sale. And now, now the dominoes start going and we can really have some fun. Well, I mean. For all ba- those teams we were just talking about, you know, 11, 12, 13. Now all of a sudden, hey, let's call New England and see if we can't get up there and maybe get one of the guys that really get the top of this list. Welcome into WEEI with John Lyons. That's me. We've got Nico here producing for us. Got a loaded show today. Nico, it's a big day today. Do you know why it's a big day today? Tell me why, John. It's Jason Tatum's birthday. He turns 26 years old today, and the Celtics are playing the Warriors. We will have Bobby Kravitsky of SI on at 1230 to preview that game. We also have John Serenides of the New England Football Journal joining us to talk Patriots. He actually had a really interesting interview with Dante Scarnecchia at the big New England Football Clinic yesterday I want to hit on. But we're going to start with that clip. That was Daniel Jeremiah talking at the NFL Combine about what the Patriots' plan potentially could be at quarterback. And... I think, and and I would agree with him, a lot of people have looked at it as, oh, Baker Mayfield's going to go back to Tampa Bay. You know, he bounced around from Cleveland to Carolina to the Rams. You know, the Carolina and the Rams are both during the 2022 season because he got traded. And then he was in Tampa last year where he played all 17 games. And let's not forget, in training camp, there was reports that that quarterback competition in Tampa was razor thin. Like, the margin for it, razor thin. So Baker Mayfield wins the quarterback comp- competition, starts all 17 games, throws for 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, 10 picks, quarterback rating of 94.6, pretty good. But also Tampa Bay goes from losing Tom Brady to still winning the division and making the playoffs. They smoke the Philadelphia Eagles in the wild card round. Of course, they lose to America's team, the Detroit Lions, in the divisional round. But, I mean, he took them. I mean, this was a Tampa Bay team that, I think had a good roster, but as we've seen in New England, when you lose Tom Brady, success usually doesn't follow after losing Tom Brady, and he got them to win the division, not just win the division. They were 3-5 and five in early November. They were 4-7 and seven right after Thanksgiving. They lost to the Colts 27-20 on November 26th. They're 4-7. and seven. They finished the year 9-8. and eight. They win five out of their last six, including beating Carolina on the last day of the season to win the division. So, the resiliency has always been there for Baker Mayfield, right? We saw it in Cleveland. We, of course, saw it in Tampa. But for the Patriots, that resiliency, in addition to his talent, I think could be really valuable. And look, here's the thing with Baker Mayfield. And if you want to chime in on Baker Mayfield or anything else, Patriots today, and, of course, Celtics later on, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. And, of course, we have the text line here as well. The thing about Baker and his talent, his resiliency coming to the Patriots, I think if you want the Patriots to get back to being a Super Bowl contender, not just 
hey, let's rebuild, turn the page from Bill Belichick, and you know get get ourselves to be a great team in three years, four years. If the quickest way to me for them to be a Super Bowl contender is to sign Baker Mayfield and then trade that number three pick and, and trade down and acquire a bunch more draft capital and potentially maybe even a, another great player in that. And look, here's the thing. Baker Mayfield's going to cost you $40 million a season. And as we know, cap space is overrated in the NFL, but the Patriots have over $100 million of it after releasing J.C. Jackson yesterday. So they have plenty of cap space to work with. They have plenty of actual money to spend, right? They're not building a new lighthouse this year. So they have plenty of actual money to spend on free agents. They have a decimated quarterback room, as we know. Mass Live had a great article this week uh, reporting what their plan is, what the Patriots' plan is at quarterback, and that is to sign a veteran, draft someone at number three, and trade back Jones. I think if you sign Jacoby Brissett, that's your plan. If you sign Gardner Minshew, that's your plan. But if you sign Baker Mayfield, you don't need to draft a quarterback at three because we're talking about a guy in Baker Mayfield who threw for 4,000 yards last year. He's 28 right now. He'll be 29 next month. So by the time the season starts, he'll be 29. So for a quarterback, that's a very young player. And as far as his connections to the Patriots, there was reports in 2018 that the Patriots staff at the time and a lot of people in the building loved Baker Mayfield. And if he had not been taken number one overall by, overall by Cleveland, they may have traded up to number two or number three and gone after Baker Mayfield. So there was institutional interest. But now look at the guys that are there now. Well, there's connections to Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith. There's also, like, Alex Van Pelt was his offensive coordinator for a couple of years in Cleveland. There's a direct connection there between Alex Van Pelt and Baker Mayfield. So you have institutional connections, guys you know in the building liked him years ago in 2018 when he came out in the draft. But then you also have current connections, especially in the one I, I really think is interesting is Van Pelt, right? Because this was Van Pelt was the offensive coordinator there while Mayfield was there his last couple years in Cleveland. Mayfield, too, in 2020, and the Browns went to the playoffs that year, Mayfield had 26 touchdowns and eight picks. Like, he played really, really well under Alex Van Pelt in Cleveland. And I think Baker Mayfield really... I mean, if you were the Cleveland Browns, you probably deep down wish you still had Baker Mayfield and you never traded for Deshaun Watson. So, I, I, And he kind of got screwed in Cleveland. I, I thought he showed a lot of resiliency there. I thought he showed some talent. And, yeah, look, did he show some immaturity at times early? Yeah, of course he did. But I thought he grew a lot from that. And then we saw, I mean, it's bad enough that you got screwed in Cleveland and you, you got a raw deal leaving there. But then to go to Carolina, which might be the worst situation in the NFL over the last five years, he goes to Carolina then he do, he goes to the Rams, and actually, that second half of 2022, played in five games for the Rams, he looked all right. And then, of course, he goes to Tampa. As I mentioned, he wins that quarterback competition, takes them to the playoffs, and goes from, again, a 4-7 and seven record to a 9-8 and eight record. They win uh, five out of their last six games, I, I think it was, to get into the playoffs. Yeah, it was five out of their last six games to get into the playoffs. They win a playoff game. Like This is a guy that if Baker Mayfield comes in, you are now much closer to being a legit contender. He can come in and not just be a capable NFL starter, because let's be honest, the Patriots have not had a capable NFL starting quarterback for a couple years now, save for maybe a handful of Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi games in 2022. But that that's really it. They did not have a capable NFL starting quarterback last year. You come in, he's not just capable, though. He's good. So now you can take that number three pick, and because of Mayfield's age, and look, if you're going to invest in Mayfield at $40 million a year, we're probably talking at least a five-year contract. So at his age, if you invest that money, now you take that number three pick. And look, if you want to take Joe Alt, take Joe Alt. If you want to take Marvin Harrison Jr., take Marvin Harrison Jr. I would support that. But now you can take that number three pick. Maybe you trade down to Atlanta at eight, because Atlanta could use a QB. That's a... Atlanta has a pretty good offensive core. They're missing a QB. Desmond Ritter's not the answer. So maybe Atlanta wants to trade up from 8 to 3. And you get, obviously, pick number 8, but maybe you get Atlanta's second-round pick and a first next year. Now you're in business. Now you have two second-round picks this year. You have two first-round picks next year. And you can really jumpstart this rebuild. And again, if you pay Baker Mayfield $40 million a year, you still have plenty of money to fill out the rest of your roster. And good news is you already have a playoff-caliber defense. 
Like Christian Gonzalez is going to be back next year. You put him with Jonathan Jones, and it seems like they're going to bring try to bring back at least Kyle Duggar, but you have Jabril Peppers. You have a solid linebacking core led by Tavai, and of course up front, I know they let Lawrence Guy go before free agency has started, but Christian Barmore I think is developing into at least as a pass rusher, a star defensive tackle, and he's been really good against the run. Of course, you have Judon. I'd like to bring Anthony Jennings back, but all those pieces, like even if Judon's here, and maybe you extend him, but you extend Barmore, you bring back Anthony Jennings. Like these are all guys. You add that up, like you, it's still you have plenty of money to spend, so you can take those first round picks and maybe you know invest offensively. If there's a blue chip defensive guy there, like somebody you want to pair with Barmore up front, fine, right? But you can take those picks, and then all of a sudden at pick eight, you know, maybe you're getting Olu Fashanu if he falls to eight, right? Or you're getting maybe all right, Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone. Maybe Malik Neighbors is there, right? So you can get a so maybe Brock Bowers is there at eight, right? There's some sort of blue chip talent offensively at eight over, and I'm just using Atlanta at eight as an example. I mean, maybe the Giants at six, right? Maybe that's a team that says, hey, Daniel Jones, yeah, we signed him to a contract extension. He's not the guy. So we want to trade up a few spots. You pick up a second, maybe two seconds, maybe just a first, right? Not moving quite as far, but you're picking some significant value up there, and you're still picking in the top ten to me. That's the key. Like, if the Patriots do trade down, I still want them picking in the top ten. And again, and then if you trade, or excuse me, sign Mayfield and trade that pick, you don't have to answer the question of quarterback anymore. So you can have Baker Mayfield, and you can have Bailey Zappi be his backup, and you're okay, and you're probably okay for four, five years, maybe more. And, of course, maybe you'd bring in someone behind Zappi as a later pick. Maybe, you know, if Jordan Travis is there on day three of the draft or Joe Milton and you want to develop him, fine. You can do that. But point being, Mayfield answers your QB question, a question you've had for two years now. But he answers your quarterback question. And then you can take that number three pick, take a blue chip guy right there, or trade down within the top ten and still get a blue chip guy. Like it, it, to me, it's a win-win. Now I understand again, forty million dollars. I get it, I, I do. But you're t- he threw for four thousand yards this year. And if you're into PFF grades, which I, I am, I will admit, I think Pro Football Focus overall, like they're not perfect, but I think they do a great job. He was nineteenth in the league, seventy-seven point two grade, which isn't elite. It's pretty good, and he got much better as the season went on. But just for reference, the highest graded Patriots quarterback was Zappy at uh, 36th in the league. He was 52.2. So pretty big drop-off there from Mayfield even to the Patriots' highest-graded quarterback. And look, in Tampa, I know he had Mike Evans. He had some good players around him. It was a team that was, over the last few years with Brady, were accustomed to being in the playoffs, had some of that playoff DNA. So that that's that's true. But again, you bring him here to New England, even if, let's just call it $40 million. Okay, so you have $60 million left in cap space. And let's say you re-sign Mike Onwenu at $20 million a year. Well, he's probably going to not eat up $20 million in cap space because you'll have a signing bonus built in there. So you re-sign him. You can still re-sign Duggar. And you're still probably looking at $40 million left of cap space. And even depending on how you structure Mayfield's $40 million a year, he's probably not taking up $40 million of the cap. And even if he is, again, you've got plenty of room besides that. And you have guys coming off the books in the future, you'll st- you'll have plenty of money. So it's not a cap space issue. It's just, do you want to spend the money, and do you believe that what we saw in Tampa Bay last year is what they will actually get out of him moving forward? We do have a text on the text line here saying that from uh, the eight six zero, the Bucks have an offensive line and a lot better receivers. I-, I would agree with that text. But again, you bring Mayfield here, and Hunter Henry's another guy. You if you bring back Hunter Henry, or you just bring in a new tight end. Like, you can have enough here to have a solid offense with Baker Mayfield. You're not going to be good. I'm not going to lie to you. You're not going to be a great offense. But Ramondre Stevenson's back. All right. Then maybe you add, again, if you trade down, use that number three pick, all of a sudden you bring in a Marvin Harrison Jr. Now you're starting to have talent there. You saw, And there was a report from Mass Live today. The Patriots are in, interested in Tyron Smith from Dallas. Yeah, he's not a 10-year answer at left tackle, but he's probably a two, three, maybe four-year answer at left tackle. So all of a sudden, again, you're not a great offense, but last year you were, in a many metrics, the worst offense in the league. So you can go from the worst offense in the league to 18th, 17th. 
Like, that might not, hey, you might look at it and say, oh, 17th offense in the league. That's not good. Well, you're going to probably have a top six or seven defense in the league like you have had since 2019, and you'll have Christian Gonzalez fully healthy all year and Matt Judon back and healthy. So you're going to have a defense that's really good. If you can have the 17th best offense in the league, which, again, I know Patriots fans that watch Tom Brady for 20 years, that probably makes you sick, but that can be good enough for you to be a lot better this year. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to go to the AFC Championship game. You won't, but you'll be a lot better. And again, and then in two years from now, all of a sudden, you'll be a really good team. And I think that's that's the difference there. Right? You'll be a really good team. We've got time for a quick call here before we go to break. we got a uh, coach from the 603. Welcome to the program. How are you? What do you got? Great. Uh, great show. Thank you for taking my call. Number one, I think Christian Barmore is an absolute stud. And I love that. I agree not with only you. Great in the, not only great against uh, uh, with pass rush, but he's a great run stuffer. I think he is just tremendous. Now, to the draft, my question for you is, um, if they traded back from three, is Atlanta, let's say Atlanta is eight. I'm not sure the number where Atlanta's picking. but um, And then they took at the eighth spot, J.J. McCarthy, who I think really showed well yesterday, what what would they get? What do you think they would get from moving back from three to eight? Because if it was an additional second-round pick, then you take a quality-wide receiver and maybe an offensive tackle, and you kind of end up with three players as opposed to just staying pat and drafting at three and then 34. So my, I guess my long-winded way of asking is, what could they get moving back four, five, six spots and then settling in on a J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, it's a great Thank question. You. Thanks for the call, Coach. Great question. And just for reference, and I know it's not exactly the same, last year the Bears traded the number one pick to the Panthers, and that was a bigger move up, but they got D.J. Moore. They got a, a second-round pick, a first-round pick this year, and another second-round pick. So they got a big haul. So for the Patriots, I don't think they would get a haul like that, but I think they could get a second-round pick this year. So then you'd have – two picks in the first 10 of the second round, you know, your own plus say Atlanta for, you know, in the second round and then probably a first next year, which I think could be extremely valuable because you look at a team like Atlanta. Yeah. I think they're, they're going to be better than they were this year. They're not going to the you know NFC divisional round. I, I don't think not yet. They're building something there. I just don't think they're there yet. So it's probably a top 16, top 17 pick from Atlanta next year. So again, if you get a second and a first and, and maybe you could also pick up like a fourth, as well later on, I'm all for it. Again, if you have an answer at quarterback. I don't know if J.J. McCarthy, and I appreciate the question, Coach, because I'm going to get to that later in the show. I don't know if J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or Michael Penix are guys I want them taking in the top 10. If they're trading down in the top 10, I'd rather have quarterback already solved. And that's why I look at Mayfield, because he's turning 29 next month and he's still young enough. We've got a lot to get to. We have John Serenides of the New England Football Journal joining us after this break. But first... It's time. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Trend. 
are back to John Lyons on WEEI. Back here on WEEI, I'm John Lyons. And we've been talking Patriots to start the show. They're playing a quarterback. The reports that they are interested in Baker Mayfield and, of course, the Combine in general. And joining us now to add to that discussion is John Serenides of the New England Football Journal. He spent many years as a football coach, and now he runs the New England Football Journal, does a terrific job there. Of course, I'm biased. Uh, some people call him Dr. Football, uh, but he is John Serenides. John, uh, thanks for taking the time. Welcome into the program. Hey, John. How's it going, man? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk football with you, John. And I want to start with the Combine here. And Combine's you know, wrapping up this weekend. And it's funny because this argu- arguably is the most consequential NFL Combine for the Patriots in the last 30 years, much like it's the most consequential NFL draft for them in the last 30 years. Did, did you? Uh, we could start with quarterbacks, but if you want to add anything else as well, what were your thoughts or, or takeaways from the workouts, the meetings, the combine in general this week? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot that has come out. There's a lot there to digest in regards to what they're going to do. We've heard that they're that at one point they were considering possibly trading down, and then we've heard speculation that, no, this week they're going to stand pat and potentially take a quarterback at three. They've been linked to possible veteran free agents. There's a school of thought out there that they might be in on Baker Mayfield. I know Daniel Jeremiah said that during the broadcast last night. There's also talk that they are, in fact, in the market for a veteran free agent, but not someone who's a long-term solution, but rather someone who can come in and mentor a, a young quarterback. There's also talk that they may trade Mac Jones. There was some speculation in the Herald this week. Andrew Callahan and Doug Kide. Uh, had spoken to league sources who said that they some league sources believe they can get a fifth-round pick. Others said six. So there's a lot going on there. Obviously, when you're picking this high, when you have that much salary cap and you have that many needs, they're going to be a topic of conversation around the league, especially with Gerard Mayo going into his first season. But, hey, look, I said this this morning, and I'm going to write about it later on today. I'm steadfast in my belief, John, that I think they need to take a quarterback at three. Don't overthink this. Don't mess it up. It's either Williams, May, or Daniels. And for the people out there that are pushing the trade down and take J.J. McCarthy narrative, look, J.J. McCarthy to me has good upside. But at the end of the day, I think in this draft, and we saw this yesterday to a degree, there's a real gap between those top three guys and then McCarthy, Penix, Nix, Pratt, Rattler, and the rest of that group. So for me, for the longest time during the season, I thought they should trade down and accumulate picks because they had multiple needs. I've switched my position since the end of the season. You need a franchise quarterback in this league to have a shot. Your best chance at landing a French, a potential franchise quarterback is that third pick. Take a quarterback. John, I want to follow up on that because I largely agree with your thoughts there, but I feel like the one exception to that could be if they sign Baker Mayfield because he's young enough that he could potentially be a multi-year potential franchise-level quarterback, but at least a multi-year good starter. Would you want them to pursue a Baker Mayfield and then pick someone else at three or trade down, or are you much more of a you know get a Jacoby Brissett, draft someone at three, and go from there? I'm all about signing the veteran free agent, drafting a quarterback at three, and letting that free agent, along with Bailey Zappi, battle it out in year one. In many ways, if you do that, John, you're punting on 2024. But as far as I'm concerned, look, Baker Mayfield had a career year last year. He had, he had a great year in many ways. But I think a lot of that, and I'm not taking anything away from him, I think a lot of that was the byproduct of two things. One, I think Dave Pinellas did a great job as the offensive coordinator, and that's why he ended up the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. But two, he played with, with a really good skill group. He's not going to play with that kind of skill group here. There's no Mike Evans here. There's no Chris Godwin here. There's no Kate Otten here. There's no Rashad White even. Ramondre Stevenson could be better than a Rashad White. But my point is he played with a with an elite-level skill group in Tampa Bay. He's not going to play with that here. So I don't think that the Patriots, unless they're willing to overpay for him, I don't think this is going to be an attractive situation for someone like Baker Mayfield 
to want to come here unless he's overpaid and then he takes the money. To me, their best bet, and, and it's their best bet for long-term success, is to draft a guy at three, develop them the right way, bridge it with a veteran starter, and see what happens in 2025 and beyond. Because, look, I've heard a lot of people say, you don't know when you're going to be picking up here again. Well, you don't want to be picking up here. You don't want that to be a routine. Next year's quarterback's class isn't as good. You have a shot to take a potential franchise quarterback. Again, like I said, don't overthink this. Just do it. Take a guy, whether it's May, Williams, Daniels, it doesn't matter. One of those three has franchise potential. Take them. And as far as the Patriots offseason itself, we're actually right on the doorstep of free agency here in that legal tampering period. They have not assigned the franchise tag, though, and there's reports that they're working with Kyle Duggar for an extension. They're working with Mike Onwenu to have an extension. Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne are also potential free agents that they have that they've had talks to about extensions. Who do you think they should place the franchise tag on, and what would be your thoughts on any or all of those guys they should extend? Well, I think to me, when you look at their group of free agents, I think there's a handful of them that they should work to extend. I think at the top of that list is Michael on Wendell. And if I were going to tag anybody in that group, it would be him. He's one of the best tackles that's going to be on the market. He offers versatility and then he can play guard or tackle. And he's the guy that to me is worth franchising, paying top five money to and seeing if you can extend him. I think Duggar's worth extending because of that scheme versatility, three by three safety. He can play all three downs at all three levels. He can do a bunch of different things. Yes, he's a liability over the top in coverage at times, but I still think guys like him who are centerpieces of a defense are important. You should try to keep him. I know a lot of people feel Josh Uche would fall in that category, but I, I, I think Uche is going to have a market. I think there's going to be that team out there that's going to will, probably be willing to overpay him. But I'd like to see a guy like Anthony Jennings be retained. He really came on last year, best year of his career, played well, He's coming along. Uh, I think those are three guys that I think are guys that you have to make a concerted effort to resign. Hunter Henry, I would say, is another guy that you have to make a concerted effort to resign. And the fifth guy on my list would be Ezekiel Elliott. We talked about this on the postgame show a bunch, John, uh, on the New England Football Journal postgame show, that he was a really good pickup for them. And I thought he played really well, proved he still has a, a couple of gallons left in the tank. Why not bring him back on a one-year deal, maybe with an option, and see what you have in him? Stevenson can get back on track, but I do think he needs that running mate. I think Ezekiel Elliott can be that guy. I think he still can be productive for them. And you didn't mention Kendrick Bourne there, so I want to ask you about Kendrick Bourne because he's a guy that was really productive in his first year at 800 yards receiving in 2021. I thought he got screwed over in 2022 by the coaching staff. Last year looked like he was back to that 2021 form before he tore his ACL. Is he a guy that you think they're going to really make an effort to extend here, or are they going to look to kind of reshape this receiver room totally you know, outside of Demario Douglas, say? Well, I think for one, I think Bourne's going to have a pretty active market. I think there are going to be a lot of teams out there that are going to be interested in him. him. I think the thing is, how far along is he in his recovery from the knee injury? I think that's one. Two, I really genuinely believe that while the Patriots would like to have him back, I think if you read between the lines of what what they've been talking about thus far this offseason, they feel that there's a lack of big playability and explosiveness in this offense. Kendrick Bourne, while he's a guy that you can use in a variety of ways and he can be a nice chess piece, isn't that vertical guy anymore that's going to take the top off of coverage and be that third-level threat. I think they want more big plays in this offense. I think that if they can, they're going to try to find ways to reimagine the receiver position. I think they're going to be in the market for one of the top three agents. I still think Calvin Ridley's a prime target for them, and he makes a lot of sense. I think they're going to also probably bring in a couple more in the draft. I think they want to upgrade there. So if they can get born at a number that works for them, I think they'd be interested in a reunion. But realistically speaking, if he has any kind of a market, there's multiple teams in on him, I think they're going to move off of him. John, you had an interesting interview with Dante Scarnecchia at the Big New England Football Clinic this weekend. And those that haven't seen it, uh, you can go on the New England Football Journal Twitter page and, and the videos there. He had some interesting thoughts to me about Mac Jones and that he seems to still be a believer 
in Mac Jones. I wonder if you could just kind of expand on what he thought about Mac Jones and what your thoughts were about Mac as well moving forward. Yeah, I, Scar was very open about his belief in Mac Jones and he thinks he could still be the guy. Uh, he, he was pretty emphatic about it. And I've known Dante for a long time. And, you know, Dante is one of the, the, the few people in this world that you'll meet that is a truly what you see is what you get kind of person. He doesn't mince words. He, he's very straightforward. And I thought he was pretty emphatic in his belief that Mac Jones can still be the guy. He actually used those words in saying that he believes in Mac Jones and he thinks that he can still be the Patriots quarterback. Now, look, I think we're too far down the rabbit hole here for Mac Jones to be the Patriots quarterback. I, th- I think it's 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 too far gone at this point, John. You and I have talked about this in the past. I just don't see any scenario that you can run it back. And even though a couple of weeks back, Alex Van Pelt said that everybody's going to get a clean slate and going to get their opportunity, I just don't see how you can run it back with Mac Jones for a fourth year. I think he needs the change. I think they need the change. And they made it pretty clear. When he was benched at the end of last season, he was nowhere to be found. You go up there for media availability. We were up there every day, post-game. He was nowhere to be found. It's, it's as if he wasn't even in the building anymore. So I think it would be in their best interest to move on from him, and I think it would be in his best interest to get another shot somewhere else. As I mentioned earlier, there were reports this week that the Patriots could potentially get a fifth, maybe a six-round pick for him. Bottom line is, I still think that there'll be some valuable compensation there. They need to move on from him. He needs to move on. A fresh start would do him a lot of good, and there would be an opportunity for him to see if he can potentially start somewhere else. But for the Patriots, I just don't see a scenario, John, where you can run it back with him. And I think from a PR fan standpoint, I don't think you can run run it back with him. I think people are are done with the Mac Jones experiment. We're talking with John Serenides of the New England Football Journal. And, John, a comment that really stood out to me at the Combine was when Elliot Wolf talked about, hey, we're moving, you know, we have a less, uh, quote, hard-ass culture now since Bill Belichick had left. And, it's, and Gerard Mayo kind of spoke about that and added slash clarified to it the day after. What are your thoughts on... The Patriots, like, do you think this is a good thing? Do you think they're moving too far away from things Belichick did? Like, what are your thoughts on this kind of shift that's gone on in the building? Well, first of all, I'm not as offended by what he said as other people are. I think people completely overreacted to that. And I find it humorous that some people out there, whether it be members of the media or Patriots fans alike, are are hurt by that or are, are bothered by that when some of these people were the same people for the last two years, I couldn't wait to run Belichick out of town. So I found, I found it interesting that all of a sudden they're coming to, to his defense now between the dynasty and, and, and a comment that Elliot Wolf made at, at a combine presser. Like, people need to, to relax, okay? He wasn't trying to offend Bill Belichick. I think what he said is true. I think that one of the things I've noticed in being around Gerard Mayo at his introductory press conference and being around him a couple weeks ago and being around the organization is that I think there's a concerted effort to be more transparent, to be more open for the media and the fans and, and, and to reconnect with the fans. I think they want that again. I think there was a sense in that building that it was Fort Knox, that Belichick for, for all his success, he, he had become too much to deal with. And I think, look, a lot of his shtick you can take when they were winning, okay? But when you're not winning, that shtick, that not sharing information, that not being honest, that being combative, a lot of that shtick and a lot of that act wore thin. And I think all Elliot Wolf is saying is, look, we're going to try to be as transparent as we can be throughout this process with you and what our thinking is. Obviously, there's certain things we can't tell you, but we're not going to be drawing a hard line and say, practically saying, no, don't worry about it. It's not your business. We're going to try to be more open with you guys and more honest. I think that's all he's saying. It wasn't a knock at Belichick per se, but let's be honest here, John. That's how they did business. So I don't know why people were offended by what he said. That's how they operated all these years, especially after Spygate. So to sit here and to say that, that it was a knock on Belichick or the culture, I don't think that's the case at all. I think Mayo's trying to establish his own culture, and I think what they're saying is, yeah, we're going to do things a little differently. And guess what? When you make a change, that's okay. You're supposed to do things differently. That's why you made the change. 
Last question for you, John. Have you watched the Dynasty on Apple Plus at all? I have. I've watched the first four. I'm watching five and six tonight. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on the first? Because you mentioned Spygate and how the building changed, and I think you're 100% right about that. Um, but any any thoughts from the Dynasty? Anything you liked, didn't like so far? Uh, I, I like reliving a lot of it. I think that they – I think there's a lot of things that they've left out. I don't know how you don't mention the 21-game winning streak. Uh, I think too much of it early on was focused on the Brady-Bledsoe dynamic. Um, I think in a lot of ways – I know some people have categorized it as a Belichick hit piece. I don't think it's a Belichick hit piece, but I definitely don't think it paints him in a positive light. And in many ways – I do think that at various points it portrays him as the bad guy, and it and it and it points to whatever issues they had. It, it points to him. Now I will say this: it, it, he should take a lot of the responsibility because he ultimately had full control of the operation. But I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see moving forward. I'd like to see Kraft take a little bit more ownership. I'd like to see the players take a little bit more ownership. Too much of this has been. Yeah, you know, we didn't play for for Belichick. We played for Brady. Yeah, Spygate happened because of Belichick. Hernandez happened because of Belichick. It wasn't all Belichick's fault, okay? But I feel like, well, I'm not going as, as far as calling it a hit piece. I don't think it paints him in a positive light either. Yeah, I think that's, you know, fair assessment, John. He is John Serenides of the New England Football Journal. John, it is always a pleasure talking football with you and you can find his work on twitter you can also find it on anyfootballjournal.com john really appreciate you taking the time and thanks for sharing your insight hey man always great talking football with you john appreciate the time as always my friend and i can't wait to do it again for sure that is john serenides of the new england football journal on the harbor one hotline he had some interesting comments and he look i i was a proponent and i've talked about this that if baker mayfield is willing to come here sign him, and then you can either trade down from three, draft someone else that's not a quarterback at three. John is in, don't overthink it. Just draft the guy at three. Because, again, and he's, you know, he made a good point about this. Your goal is that you're never picking top three again, right? Like, you want to be good enough that you don't have to worry about quarterback. You don't have to worry about the future of the franchise. You don't want to suck anymore and be picking top three in the future, and I, I liked his thoughts on tagging Michael on Wenu. Look, I think when it comes to their free agents, I'm going to talk about this more later in the program, so make sure you stay tuned, but when it comes to his free agents, or the Patriots free agents, excuse me, like Mike on Wenu, I don't know how he's not your top priority. And, and Kyle, look, I, Kyle Duggar should be re-signed, but Mike on Wenu is a guy, you drafted him, he came in in 2020, he was one of the best right tackles in the NFL, then he moves to guard, plays well, goes back to tackle this year, midway through the year, plays really well. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Patriots' offensive line was getting smoked week after week after week, especially off the right side, and then on one who moves to right tackle midway through the year, and all of a sudden it's not so bad, right? So Mike on one who's a guy that you should not just invest a lot of money in, you should invest a lot of years in moving forward. He should be re-signed. To me, that should be priority one right now as free agency approaches. Then Kyle Duggar. I also would try to bring back Hunter Henry. I think, look, I think Farrell Brown played well for the Patriots this year, but in addition to Hunter Henry, I still think you want to add another, like, more athletic type tight end there. And then Kendrick Bourne. Look, I'm a big Kendrick Bourne guy. I thought he was great in 2021. I thought he got screwed by the coaching staff last year, and I know he got hurt in 2023. So I'm a big proponent of bringing Kendrick Bourne back. Now, look, John makes a good point. They need more explosiveness. Kendrick Bourne is a really good player. He's not going to go over the top and catch a 40-yard pass and, and stretch the defense. Now, he can take a 15-yard pass for 30 yards or a 10-yard pass for 30 yards, sure, but they still need that explosive element on the outside, which I think like you won't see Devontae Parker back, I don't think. You're not, I don't think you're going to see Tyquan Thornton back at all. And, and if you do see him back, it'll be in a reduced role. So I, I just think... I would bring Kendrick Bourne back, but to John's point, they, they do need to add some explosiveness there. Explosiveness there. We have a lot left to get to in this program. We have some texters texting in. I'm going to get to that next segment. I'm also going to get – we have some people on the phone lines. Eddie from Cleveland, I see you there, and some others. We are going to get to that right after. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here this break. We're back to John Lyons on WEEI. Back here on WEEI, I'm John Lyons. Got Nico behind the glass today. And big thank you to John Serenides of the New England Football Journal for joining us last segment. We talked pretty much everything Patriots, so if you missed that, make sure to go back on WEI.com or the Odyssey app. We have some text to get to. We have some calls to get to. Also, we will have Bobby Kravitsky joining us to preview Celtics Warriors at 1230. Uh, Right now, though, I do want to go to the phones. We have Eddie from Cleveland calling in about the uh, Dynasty documentary. Eddie, thanks for taking the time all the way out from Cleveland. How are you? Hey, how you doing? Uh, happy Sunday. The first time, long time. Um, really, you know, good job on this show, I think. But uh, my, my overall thought is, like, the, the Dynasty had skipped, you know, the Super Bowl that they won the second Super Bowl and the third Super Bowl, really, like 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. And they give Matt Castle – a full episode. Like I thought this was about the dynasty, like winning championships. And then they give Aaron Hernandez, obviously a, a a tragic situation, which, which should be talked about, but they give that a full episode too. It's more of a soap opera than a true football documentary. And and for a true football guy being from Cleveland, you know, that that's really disappointing to see. Um, And then, you know, I'll leave you with this. Being being a Cleveland guy, like, I I don't know if the Patriots want anything to do with Baker Mayfield. You know, I've seen him do some really good things. You know, I'm just not buying it. You know, he he just isn't it long term. I think they should just draft a young guy, you know, and and go with a cheaper guy. I don't think he's worth $40 But, you know, great show, and thanks for taking the time, and and hope to uh, talk to you soon. God bless. Appreciate that, Eddie, all the way out from Cleveland. And, Nico, have you watched – the dynasty yes and honestly i think eddie just nailed it there i i don't get how you call this the dynasty and you don't talk about you know super bowl 38 and 39 that's what makes this a dynasty and i agree the matt castle episode a full episode on 2008 way too long yeah and so there's a couple th- so first of all i i would give this series and i 100 percent agree with you and eddie i would give this series like a b plus because I think some of the archival footage they've found is phenomenal. Some of the interviews they've had, like they got Ernie Adams to talk, the Randy Moss interviews, like it's awesome, awesome stuff. And they've told a lot of amazing stories. But what elevated the Patriots from a great story in 2001 to an actual dynasty was they had a 21-game winning streak in 03-04, and they won two Super Bowls those two years. Like if they didn't win those two Super Bowls, Nico – we wouldn't be watching a documentary every Friday called the Dynasty. Like we, who if they didn't exactly. win those, if they didn't win those two Super Bowls, maybe Brady doesn't play twenty years. Maybe Belichick doesn't coach twenty years. I don't want to get into too many hypotheticals, but the point is, we are not making a documentary and watching a documentary called the Dynasty if they don't win those two Super Bowls. And the other piece of this, Nico, and I wish I could have asked Eddie this too, as a National Football fan, nothing in there about Brady Manning. Like that to me. There's a severe lack of that. Well, and and what I found interesting, and I liked the Matt Castle episode, I did, but like in 08, okay, that's a good worthy of an episode. But then in 09, they show the fourth and two game in Indy, but they don't actually show the fourth and two moment, and they don't show the the only thing we really see from Peyton Manning is at the beginning of episode four when they show the Patriots losing that AFC Championship game to the Colts in Indy. That's it. We don't see. The early rivalry, like, let's not forget, folks, Brady was 6-0 and versus Manning in their first six meetings. We don't see any of that. We don't see the 3 AFC. I mean, there's what, like a 12-second clip of the 3 AFC championship game when they dominated the Colts and Peyton Manning? Like, that was the biggest rivalry in the sport was Patriots-Colts in the early 2000s and, and Brady Manning for 15 years. So not only did they not show 3 and 4 in those Super Bowls extensively, but nothing on Brady Manning was really disappointing because you could have woven that into 
03 where the Patriots beat them in the playoffs, 04 where the Patriots beat them in the playoffs, but then 06 where the Colts beat the Patriots and won the Super Bowl, and even 07, the toughest regular season game the Patriots had all year going 16-0 and was when they went to Indy and won 24-20. They were about down by 10 points in the fourth quarter in that game. So there was nothing in that. And then again, even in 09, they show the fourth and two game, but nothing about actual fourth and two, nothing about Brady Manning. So those, And again, I'd give it a B plus. Like it, I do think it's a good series. I like it. I think it's provided some great insight. But even like 03-04, I understand if they didn't want to do a full episode on each because a full episode, like we saw a man in the arena with Tom Brady. You know, I, I own three games to glory. I get it. Like they're not maybe going to do a full hour about each Super Bowl. But even what they did with Super Bowl 36 where, you know, they did most of the episode on it and then they kind of glossed over 0304. You could have done most of the episode on 0304, but then, excuse me, on 2001. And then for 0304, you could have had, you know, seven or eight minutes on each. Like, I'm not asking for a full, look, I would have loved a full episode on each, but that episode could have been 20 minutes longer with 10 minutes on 03, 10 minutes on 04. And I think a lot more people would have been a lot more satisfied because like to Nico's point, and I agree, that's what made them a dynasty. They went from a good story in 01 to a dynasty winning those two. And I would even add like some of the other episodes, like the Hernandez episode, you could have added a few minutes there and given us a little more information, a little more contact. Like, we didn't hear from Brady at all on the Hernandez thing. I, I would have liked that. So you could have given us a little bit more in the Hernandez episode. You could have. But you could have given us a lot more, I think, in Episode 3. So, again, Episodes 1 and 2 I thought were phenomenal. The framing of that 0-1 Rams regular season game I thought was wrong, too, because we walked away from that game thinking, oh, wow, they're good and they can win if they don't turn it over. So that's why, again, I give it a B plus. I'm, I'm not dumping on it here. I'm not giving it an F. Some people, it feels like, want to give it not just an F, but maybe a G or an H. They hate it so much. But I'm not giving it an F. I'm not giving it a D. I, I like it. I think it's good content overall. But I think there's, again, just some real missed opportunities to add to it there. Uh, we got to go to a break, but I do want to sneak in uh, at least one phone call before the break. We have uh, Joe on the line, the real purpose of the Dynasty Series. Joe, thanks for taking the time. What do you got for us? Well, I feel that the purpose was a public relations move to get Bob Kraft into the NFL Hall of Fame and in the process to sort of shift his role up and to push Belichick's role down. And the people I've heard the other speaker, other callers, looking for a football documentary. You can get that from NFL films, but... And Joe, let me ask you a question. Uh, So Joe, are you a Patriots fan? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so for you, I I want to get you... Had season season tickets. I went to school with Bobby Kraft. Okay, so So I want to get your thoughts as a Patriots fan, someone that's been a fan a very long time, do you feel like this is doing, and you mentioned it's kind of you know kind of pushing Kraft to the Hall of Fame, do you think they should have done a little bit more on these games, or are you okay with focusing a little bit more on some of the other drama and things outside of just the games? If I accept the fact that this is indeed a public relations piece, it does the job, so... I feel that that was their intention when they produced it. They met their objective, which was their objective. Uh, It can't be all things to all people. So as a Patriots fan, if I want history, I can find it about the games elsewhere. I do admit I like the drama. um, And uh, I do feel that Belichick has been poorly treated as a result of Bob Kraft's desire to sort of, and Jonathan, and number one, Kraft calls Philip Belichick a schmuck, which is a Jewish word for, you know, you're a real bad person. So where does Bob Kraft get off calling Bill Belichick, who led the team so successfully, calling him a schmuck? To me, that line said it all. That, that to me was when he put forth his objective, which was to elevate himself and to push Bill down. 
That's enough out of me. All right, thanks, Joe. Appreciate the call. And uh, look, I think Joe makes a lot of good points, you know, interesting points there. That you know, Kraft is obviously would love to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the schmuck comment was reported previously, though, years ago. So that's not new. It's new for Kraft to say publicly. Not new. One thing, though, Nico, and you've watched this, and I know we got to go to break, but I think Bill Belichick could have done a better job to help himself in this series. I mean, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, he probably could have, but am like I with, the only one who thinks that Kraft isn't coming off all that great like these last two episodes? So I, I thought the ending, like when he apologized for the Hernandez thing, I thought he did look good there, and I thought that was genuine. But, yeah, there were some other moments that I was like, okay. Like, like uh, you know. The fifth episode is like a credit to Belichick and what he did that yeah. season with Matt Castle. So, like, I feel like that goes against what Joe's saying, the anti-Belichick agenda. Yeah. And then, but I of think course, the Spygate thing, like, Belichick could have said, hey, other teams were taping signals. Yeah, we did it, and it was stupid, but it didn't really matter. Like, he could have at least explained it a little, added some context. And I'm not, again, it was a stupid thing for them to do. I'm not whitewashing it. But 100%. then he says nothing. And when you say nothing, then other people feel it looks bad. And, and, and Kraft, you know, saying, you know, hey, he was a schmuck and, and looking down. Like, I, I get it. And it was a stupid thing for the Patriots, too. But I think Bill also and it, he's not obligated to do this. I think he could have helped himself a little bit more. We do have to go to break. I see some of you on the line, David, in the car. We will get to you as soon as we get back. So I'm John Lyons on WEI. We'll be right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.